You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Plenty to catch up on this week as we eagerly await the Super Bowl between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. So we'll start things off with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show with some marinated takeaways from the Chiefs season and their AFC Championship win over the Baltimore Ravens. Then it's the Out of Structure podcast, just recapping the Chiefs' performance in the AFC Championship game. Then we'll catch up with Chiefs Coast to Coast. Taking our first quick look at the Super Bowl against the 49ers. We'll have plenty of coverage for you this week at Arrowhead Pride, so make sure you're locked in there. Then we'll take a quick time out. When we get back, we'll catch up with the Great British Chiefs show, just celebrating the Chiefs' greatness and what is this current dynasty run of the Kansas City Chiefs era. After that, we'll wrap things up with Show and BK, just discussing their expectations for this team in Sunday's Super Bowl against the San Francisco 49ers. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. (laughs) That's the takeaway. All right, enough. Uh, we have to talk about this game, a 17-10 win over the Baltimore Ravens, who I think a lot of people felt would march their way to the Super Bowl, especially after they were able to get that number one seed, the home field advantage. Didn't ultimately matter yesterday. So, John, uh, take it away. You are are usually the person who gives us the first uh, takeaway. What did you what'd you like about this game? Well, you know, what struck me about the game was that hardly anybody who spoke about the game uh, was wrong about it. Uh, you know, there were people who picked the Chiefs. There were people who picked the Ravens. But even the people who picked the Chiefs, including uh, you and me, <laughs> Pete, actually all three of us picked the Ravens and our uh, picks on ArrowheadPride.com. But we all acknowledged that this was going to be a close game, that the Ravens mm-hmm. could easily win. And, you know, we didn't see anything in on Sunday that, that defied that description. The, the Ravens could easily have scored two touchdowns that the Chiefs took away from them. They could have won this game. The Chiefs could have won the game by a lot more, but the Dreyfus defense was really good. I mean, it was it was a battle for the ages, I thought. I, I thought going into this game that it could end up being one of the Chiefs' most memorable victories or losses, for that matter. Uh, in in franchise history just because of the run-up to it you know that they that they had been so under expectations all season and then won a couple of road games to get there if they were able to win it I thought well man this is going to be an amazing narrative and 
and it lived up to all of that. It was just, it was incredible to watch. Yeah. Uh, and I, I thought it was interesting how the game played out because this was another one of these games where you first think that it's going to be this back and forth offensive game. I know the chiefs had found themselves a little bit offensively in the previous week and you know what the Ravens had done. They were coming off a, 34 to 10 win over the Houston Texans. who I thought looked pretty good in that early round. And and so, Mm -hmm. yeah, um, I thought that was very impressive. And I, you know, I wasn't ruling out a shootout. Uh, I tended to think the defenses would step up. I, I think I had 24, 23 on this game in favor of the chiefs, uh, which was a little bit more of the the points uh, than it ended up being just because the defenses were so good in uh, that second half. But I, I agree with you, John. I think it just was so entertaining to watch. Uh, Mm -hmm. I, I know a lot of people are unhappy with the two Super Bowl teams, given uh, that it is a rematch from a couple of years ago, or the Chiefs' uh, first run there to the Super Bowl. Uh, but just as far as uh, an entertainment standpoint, um, you know, if you're not a fan of either team, I just thought it was uh, one that was very compelling toward the end. You had the offense early, really good defensive play in the middle, and then um, you know you got some points finally in the fourth quarter. But by then it was too little, too late, which is how well the defenses were playing. Steve, uh, what was your uh, initial takeaway from this game? I just want will forever uh, fondly remember this chief season, and and really, it's it, my love for it has really grown because mid season mm-hmm. I, I would have told you the offense was a disaster and it was the most frustrating chiefs team uh to watch since like the not alex to, smith not, days not to gloat here but i wouldn't have told you that i was one of the only folks <laughs> in this damn media core that said i think they have enough and that you look yeah we don't know if they're and, gonna win this but, role, but we'll see yes i'm sorry sorry to cut you amazing. off Steve. i just had to get that out of my system but you go ahead. <laughs> the, the yeah. uh the spotlight well, is back on you but the the things that we were pointing out all season long are, are still true about this Chiefs yeah. team. Mm-hmm, but then sure. when we were pointing to the things like, well, this is what they have to lean into. This is what they have they have to adjust to try to go make a run. Well, they did all those things. They did they they started leaning on Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice and Isaiah Pacheco because the rest of the offense just doesn't have it, and they committed to that, and they they cut down on the turnovers and they leaned into their Super Bowl caliber defense. And that's why this is going to be one of my favorite chief seasons of all time. No, no matter how it ends, because I love defense in the modern day NFL. And it's so difficult to play defense because of the rules and because there's so many excellent players on the offensive side of the ball. And I don't know if this chief's defense is ever going to be as talented and as special as they are this season. Like, they need to be uh, identified as the the defense that they are. And I'm hoping in the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, they'll finally get the credit because last week it was all just Baltimore's a defense like we haven't yeah. seen it in ages. And yeah. it was totally overlooking the Chiefs defense as if there was this huge gap that just simply didn't exist. And so hopefully they finally get their credit now because I'm going to remember this defense for a very long time. Yeah, I... I, I think you make a great point and, and not even really comparing defenses that are that are in the league to each other. I, I think you're right. Like playing defense just nowadays in general is a very difficult thing to do. And the Chiefs are playing at a very high level and like against the best teams. So even when you know you see this 49ers matchup come up, like as far as the skill position players on this team, it's like you got Debo and CMC and you have George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. And you're like, well, what are the but but again, 
Spags like figures it out. He comes up with this plan where these teams that seem so good offensively just suddenly they're curbed uh, to an extent. And uh, this will be the most difficult challenge yet. But uh, keep in mind that, you know, I know the transitive property isn't isn't exact in the NFL, but the Ravens beat the 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 piss out of the San Francisco uh, 49ers. And so, um, you know, I, I think you you probably feel good when you think about it. And in that term, even though it's like, again, it's not an, it's not an exact science when you're talking about the NFL rock, paper, scissors situation it doesn't really work like that. Uh, I want to uh, uh, give my initial takeaway here. I just think it. I think you're right about the season being special. And we talked a little bit about this on the report um, yesterday that we did after the game, Steve, and how wrong we were assuming that Dan Campbell <laughs> would hold on to the lead. If you go back to the report, <laughs> we're just like, yeah, it's, it's pretty much going to be chiefs lions. And, you know, lo and behold, after we were done, we saw the 49ers score on like four straight possessions. Um, but what I, I think is really special about this year is a, the adversity, but b like what uh, came from, the adversity and that was having the play on the road and you know you look at this road that the chiefs have had in the playoffs you can make a case that it's been the worst offensive team offensive scheme and plan that mahomes has had to deal with against the toughest playoff road that we've seen him face you have the miami dolphins in the extreme weather and they managed to win that game another high-powered offense with a lot of good weapons they score seven points in that game and Granted, I think of the three that they've played so far, you felt the best about that one because even though with the weather stuff, they were at home and they had beaten the Miami Dolphins earlier in the year. But still, you know, you never know. I, I think the Dolphins were good enough where you you can make a case that it could have been a good game uh, against the Buffalo Bills and the Ravens. Now, these are two back to back games where the home team had to win the game. It was like a franchise defining era mm, yeah. game for the whereas Kansas City if they would have lost one of these games, sure, it would have been disappointing, but it wouldn't have been like, okay, this is franchise defining and, and saying, well, you know, Pat is never going to win one. He's already won two. So sure. Would have been disappointing. Yes. But like, it wasn't a scenario where the chiefs had come up short so many years in a row. And now that was their time. This was two times in a row. It was the time for Josh Allen in his building bills playing well, you know, since their bye week can't get it done against the chiefs and not all that was josh allen's, allen's fault the rest of the team um failed in a lot of ways stefan Diggs, who talks a lot dropped this wide open pass we of course have wide right part two 30 years later but then you know, you're in <laughs> now you're in baltimore yesterday and just being there i mean it was a palpable feeling that ravens fans were walking in there thinking this is our this is our game this is our year there's no way we get out of this game with a loss and like lo and behold like the chiefs still remain uh, inevitable and uh, for as, as as good as the Ravens defense played you ended up holding the Chiefs to 17 I think if you're any kind of Baltimore fan going into that game you take that 10 out of 10 times and say our offense has been fantastic this year but it's just the Chiefs defense was better and like historically good and what you have is two franchises that are gravely disappointed and it's the parallel of Michael Jordan. Like I think about Carl Malone and Patrick Ewing and uh, Reggie Miller and Allen Iverson and all these players who'd never won a title because of Michael Jordan. You're going to so start to see that stack up. I mean, it's going to be rare that Mahomes is going to allow you through. And Ron uh, pointed this out on, on X and that this was a point I was making last week. This was the year to do it. 
the the AFC missed out on a grand opportunity. The Chiefs were vulnerable. The the Bills game could have went either way. The Ravens game came down to one single score, and the Ravens made some mistakes in this game caused by the Chiefs defense, but they made mistakes in this game and let this opportunity go away. So I just what a time to be a Chiefs fan. Like in a down year, you still prevented all these AFC teams from doing anything. Um, and I think they're gonna be better uh next year. All right, John. I rambled a lot. Let's go back to you. <laughs> well, I'm reminded of uh, a couple of things. One of them being uh, the 2015 season where the Chiefs started one and five and yep. then won like 10 in a row uh, before losing in the divisional round of the New England Patriots. And that included that incredible 30 to nothing victory over the Houston Texans. So which good. Was the- Miles Davis. Yeah which was the first playoff game the Chiefs had won in 22 seasons or or whatever it was. I um, I loved I I love thinking about that game and I just mentioned Niall Davis and I love that you can say that Niall Davis had the game-winning touchdown on the first play. Like how, how often can you say that? Anyway, yeah. go ahead, sorry. Yeah, uh, and and I think going back to what Steve was saying about this being his favorite season, that's one of my favorite seasons uh for the Chiefs. You know, it mm-hmm. didn't end with a championship but they showed so much that season and, you know, they were without Jamal Charles um, right. who had been injured. in I think the game against the bears, I think, which was in week five, if I remember, well, I'm, I'm looking, I've got a cheat sheet in front of me, but I, it doesn't tell me when Jamal Charles was injured, but he had been lost for the season. And at that point without Jamal Charles, the chiefs, you know, they were built around him. And it wasn't unreasonable to think that they would have a terrible season, but they turned it around and just were fantastic. And I think that's the lesson that I kept reminding myself about as the season went on. I just was not willing to say the Chiefs can't turn this around because of that season, because of how far behind the eight ball they were, uh, you know, in, in week six at one and five for crying out loud. And mm-hmm. and then make the playoffs and win a playoff game for the first time in decades, I, you know you can't ever count the Chiefs under Andy Reid out. And I think that's a, a, a quality that he has that other head coaches don't have is the ability to to get a team over that kind of a hump. And now we've got two great examples of it. Yeah, I. Uh... I remember this distinctly about that year. I was still working for dot com. This is one of my first years covering the Chiefs. And uh and they were one and five. And don't forget the Royals were the talk of the town. I mean, if you, this oh, yeah. isn't that long, this isn't all that long ago. And I remember I was standing there with some of the dot com staff. There were a couple TV producers, and it was Therese and maybe one other writer might have been Vahe or Blair, you know, star guys, maybe. Dave, but there was about three writers at the press conference. Like nobody was covering the Chiefs. They were dead. They weren't going to make the playoffs. The Royals were the hottest thing. All the media was across the parking lot. Like the only people that were really there were the people that are assigned to cover just the Chiefs. <laughs> and you were right. Like it it came out of nowhere. I remember that um they really leaned into the white on white with the red socks, which is my favorite Chiefs uniform combination that year. And they just kept on wearing them and wearing them. And they had to win every game. The playoffs basically started in week six. Uh, that was a really fun season to bring up. And that is a good reason to remember. Like uh, Andy Reid keeps these guys at least positive enough to spark a turnaround, where I think in a lot of NFL cities, you get in such a hole where it just doesn't seem like a comeback is, is, is possible. 
And here the Chiefs come back. I mean, they a lot of people wrote them off, uh, especially after that Christmas Day loss. That was just a month ago. Uh, and now they'll be playing in another uh, Super Bowl. All right, Steve, on to you. I This is kind of focused on, I guess it's on the team overall. It's not really just a, a defensive thing. But I, I think something that we talked about a lot, or I did, and something that we talked about on last week's episode of Show MBK a lot is the blue chip players that were going into this AFC championship game. And for some reason, a lot of the conversation again was around the Baltimore Ravens and all of the stars they had. And like, I I don't know if it's this season, if it's strictly because of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and the shadow that they kind of cast, which I totally understand because they're all world generational kinds of players or if it's, you know, Taylor Swift and the attention and all of that stuff and the Chiefs kind of making this ascension to where they, they all of a sudden became even more popular, like they weren't already the best team in all of, all of football. But the, the attention that it took away from some of the Chiefs talent on, on this roster is crazy because a lot of the conversation was around how Baltimore's got this other world defense and Lamar's the MVP and they've got all these stars on that side of the ball. And it's like. Everybody forgot about Legereus Need, who has been criminally overlooked this season for whatever reason, despite the fact that he's put together one of the best cornerback seasons that we've seen in a long time. Didn't allow a touchdown until the postseason. And it took an insane throw from Josh Allen. Trent McDuffie is a second-year superstar player. The Chiefs secondary has a chance even going into next year, depending on what happens with Snead, to be the absolute best secondary in the NFL. It already was this season. And then you you talk about Chris Jones and everything that he's done in this postseason, whether it's contract incentives or, or whatever. And then and then the Chiefs offensive line. And, and then you talk about Mahomes and Kelsey. George Karloftis has been incredible this postseason. Like the, the Chiefs blue chip players and their depth is the best in the NFL. And I know we'll have plenty of time to talk about the Super Bowl and all of the conversation, I think, uh, ahead of that game is going to be the 49ers superstar players because their their blue chip players can go toe-to-toe with anybody in the league and they got some of the most impressive playmakers in all of the NFL, but they don't have the depth that the Chiefs do across mm-hmm. the board. And I think yeah. that's been the most important thing for them this season. So I just want to acknowledge all of the Chiefs stars and, and the, the roster that they built this <clears throat> season is really some something special and something we're going to look back on in a few years and be like, how the hell did they have all of those guys on that team at one point? It is so hard to win these games and Mahomes needs to get credit for winning these games. And the things he does is he is just consistent from start to finish. Right. I mean, you know, in this game, particularly he started what 10 for 10 passing Mahomes did just was absolute nails, never wasted a drop back. Right. And that opening script was great, but even past that, you know, into, you know, the, the end of the second quarter, you know, they got 17 points and he was still dicing up the Ravens defense, you know, <clears throat> should have had a freaking touchdown on the screen pass that the Trey Smith holding call was absolute horse. And, and so, yep. you know, I, you have a very efficient offense in the first half and like, you have to be able to do that like over and over. You can't just be able to do it for two plays and, and maybe not third play and, 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 you know, you know, be nickel and diming. And then, you know, maybe when it's there one play, you know, not take it and then go for the big shot, you know, force it. And I do think Lamar is a little, was a little bit of like, Hey, you know, there were some stretches where it's like, okay, you know, he's going to, he's going to start putting it on. And then, you know, he just had a few other dropbacks where, you know, he just wasn't, he he just wasn't playing within the rhythm of the offense and, uh, Mm -hmm. and was trying to do too much. And we've seen Mahomes do that. Right. 
but Mahomes yeah. has gotten past that, and 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 that's why this is a legendary run. But but yeah, I think I think you did see the difference between a really good quarterback and a and a legendary quarterback on, on Sunday with some of those things. Yeah, it was consistency. It was it was the turnovers, right? The, just the back breaking turnovers. Uh, for me, the the biggest thing that stood out to me was was the pocket presence, like just the ability to yeah. sense pressure. Right. To, to both move. teams were getting pressure. Like both teams were yeah. getting were were getting in there a little bit. Yeah, but Mahomes has this innate ability to to move and know when to take off and know when to to roll out uh, to to avoid pressure. There's a reason he doesn't take very many sacks, and it's not because he has an elite offensive line in front of him. Uh, it's because he knows how to avoid the sack at all costs. Uh, Lamar Jackson, you just watched some one play. George Karloftis, or, I'm sorry, Charles Omenihu, probably his is uh, one of his biggest plays of the season. Uh, gets loose. Lamar is standing there holding the ball forever. Finally, uh, Amenahieu comes loose, and and Lamar has no idea he's coming. Just absolutely no clue. Uh, I feel like if Mahomes was in the same situation there, it's not a strip sack. It's a uh, he's stepped up in the pocket, or he's taken off running, or he's done he's done something to avoid that situation. Now, not to say it's impossible for Mahomes to take a strip sack. It's 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 happened before. Uh, it just feels like that pocket presence, that that ability to to sense what's going on around you. Mahomes is just on a different level. No, hundred percent. I, I it honestly is kind of a cool like right direct comparison because I think Lamar gets like you know uh, un un uh, un unnecessarily labeled as a you know, oh, he's going to run out of the pocket. Maybe he's not going to hang in there. And I kind of talked about this last week, but like he actually hangs in there too much a little bit, like you're just talking about. And it leads to this kind of stuff where, especially when you have a great defensive backfield that is covering well, that is not making the throwing windows, you know, uh, appetizing, right? You know, Lamar is not jumping at the opportunity to, to throw these tight windows and he keeps holding the ball. Yeah, it led to you know I think Trank will chase him down at one point for a for a quarter uh, for a throwaway uh, on a in a big spot. You know it leads to you know Karloftis got that sack at that uh, on that one point because he kind of you know tried to hang in there and and just and I also think the Ravens offense didn't do a good enough job of giving him options quickly. You know there was a lot of times where all the routes were downfield and he just like was kind of like he was, it was a running. Well, and and that is maybe the thing here is that as I talk through it is like they a lot of times might trust Lamar to be the check down with his legs and the Chiefs defense pass rush wise might have just been so good at containing him, not allowing him to get out into space um, that, you know, on the on those plays where, you know, they got pressure so quickly, he wasn't able to make a move and get out of it because everyone can join so, so well. So, yeah. again, it was just absolute masterclass by Spags and just everybody involved defensively. Yeah, and we alluded to it earlier, but also I, I was – Really impressed by the way the, the Chiefs defended the run. Again, if you look coming into this game, you worry about Lamar Jackson running the ball. Uh, but this is a team that put up 229 yards rushing uh, the previous week against the Houston Texans, which is not a bad defense. Lamar had 100 of those, uh, but that's still a, a good game out of three other uh, running backs uh, on that Baltimore team. The Chiefs didn't allow their, the Baltimore running backs to get going literally at all. Uh, Gus Edwards had 20 yards and Justice Hill had three. Uh, Lamar Jackson only ran, ran for 54 to lead the team. Uh, really only broke one, that 121-yard rush. This Holding this Baltimore Ravens team to 81 yards rushing, even as tough as it was for the Chiefs to run the football, they had 89 yards rushing. They essentially 
outrush the Ravens and, and outrush their, their running backs by a lot if you were to take Lamar out of the picture. Right. And and that is where it, it, you do have to shout out guys like Drew Tranquil, you know, a guy like Leo Chanel, you know, stepped up uh, in the run defense as well. They were doing a lot of uh, base defense, you know, Nick Bolton, you know, had his plays, even though I don't think it was Bolton's best day. Um, and, and, and I, I you know, I, he did have a really good coverage play at one point, right. Where he should have had an interception. He dropped it. That was, that was good on him for picking up the guy coming across and, and, you know, getting in front of it, not allowing that to be a completion on third down. Um, but you know, I, as I was looking through my PFS stats, uh, you know, I, I, it stood out to me that Molden didn't really make a play and he was without a PFS stop, which is those, that category that, you know, you know, uh, tackles that constantly for, for the offense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's usually, he had eight against Miami. It was, a, it was, you know, so <laughs> that's, uh, it was kind of a passive game for him, maybe a little bit where he wasn't maybe on the attack as much as you'd like to see against the Niners. I bet you'll see that be a little different, um, because they don't have the same kind of threat. He loves those kind of, I mean, the Miami offense is kind of like the Niners offense, right? So that's where, you know, Nick Bolton's going to be in his element in Super Bowl, I imagine. But Drew Tranquil was in his element here just playing all over the field, right? I mean, he really was just – just. I, I think uh, I saw Lewis Rick even tweeted that he was kind of like the MVP of the weekend or something. He thought he was, he was that good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Any Anything else on the – just – because I do want to touch on the coverage because I have a few cool coverage things to, to touch yeah, on ahead. here. Because, I mean – Post game, Legarius Sneed, which, you know, he's a quiet guy, right? It's cool to see him kind of come out of the shell a little bit, you know, uh, talk more um, with uh, like guys like Aaron Ladd. Um, shout out Aaron Ladd down in, I mean, Pete was in Baltimore, so shout out Pete, but Aaron Ladd was get on the field getting some of the videos. Uh, PJ Green of Fox, my guy, um, he was also getting some of the stuff. And he had the tweet actually where I saw, and I, and I don't know who exactly got the quote. It might have been Aaron video, but Legarius Sneed said the defense basically just played two coverages today cover zero and tango and so what cover zero is we all probably know right is just no safeties every guy just man for himself and if you don't have a, a guy you're covering you're going after the quarterback so it's you're blitzing but tango basically means we're going to play zone but we're going to we're it's going to be a tight like an aggressive zone so it might look like man coverage because once your receiver commits to a certain route I know he's my guy and I'm committing to him and another guy, but it could be another receiver depending on how the route combination goes. Right. And so, but it's an aggressive thing. It, it, you know, it's not something that they're playing this off zone coverage and you saw it, man. And, and, you know, when they were doing it, that's why you saw Lamar a lot, you know, checking down, you know, right. That was a lot of the, their biggest pass plays were Gus Edwards, you know, taking a, a pass real quick and, and going up the sideline and, and uh, you know, some of the other times justice Hill made a play maybe. Um, it was because this, these DBs were not allowing anything down the field. And it was because Spag said, look, guys, I'm not going to make complicated. I'm not going to be, hey, do this, this play, then do this, you know, switch it up, switch it up. We're going to make it complicated up front for Lamar. And y'all in the back end, just do your thing. I'm either call this, either call this. Like that's, that's in Spags we trust. That's what they mean by that. That's why they all love Spags because that does make them play faster, more aggressive, smarter. They're not thinking about as much. And I, I guarantee you it makes a difference for the DB's uh, mentality throughout the game. Yeah, it was really impressive. And it, and again, it wasn't even just McDuffie and Snead. Those guys were amazing. But Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, those guys still made plays and they still were tight in coverage. They still knocked the ball away. Um, PFF had the stat line here through the three playoff games so far against those two, Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams combined. Nine targets, three catches, 21 yards, only two yards of yak, 
and a pass broken up, and the longest catch was eight yards. Uh, that from your fourth, <laughs> fourth and fifth, third and fourth corners, whatever they are, uh, that's that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, think about how many times in Chiefs history, you know, <laughs> it's it's the 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 second or third corner, you know, that is just the reason, you know, the the Chiefs defense gets exploited, and now they have these guys both drafted on day three, you know, both just in their second year. Just just shutting it down when they need to. I mean, obviously, you know, they're not going against the best of the best, but, you know, that's the point. You know, they're supposed to, you know, be, you know, doing this kind of you – know, I mean, they're not supposed to be doing this maybe, but, they're you know, they're supposed to be, you know, pl- playing the weaker players and, and maybe having the advantage there. And they've definitely taken advantage. It's cool to see also that they've split time. If you look at their snap count, they, they almost are identical through three games. Mm-hmm. They really have rotated. Well, a couple more big picture things that I I think is a, it's just crazy to think about. There's so many mind blowing stats from this team and this run that they're on. I love Mitch Holtz's on on Twitter saying this Chiefs roster now has a combined 343 playoff wins. I mean, I remember the day when that was you know probably under 10 back when they hadn't won a playoff <laughs> game in in years. 343 playoff wins on the roster. And this is even crazier. The rookies and second-year players are now sixty and zero in, in the playoffs combined. Those those that contribute, yeah, they know nothing other than than winning in, in winning playoff games and winning Super Bowls. Yeah, and th- what does that do? That just builds confidence. That's why Dalen Watson, Joshua Williams can play confidently against whoever they're matched up with. You know, that's why a guy like Checo, you know, can just you know, run hard, free, you know, cause he's been at that stage. It's not, you know, it's not too big. Um, yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Also el- something else ridiculous um, because Peter Schrager is a friend of Arrowhead pride. And uh, he, I, he was on part of my take this week and he reminded everybody that this guy picked the chiefs and the Niners to be in the super bowl before the season, which is, you know, obviously impressive. Wow. But if he were to pick correctly, which he did choose the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, he chose he picked the Chiefs, Trent McDuffie, to have a, a pick to, to seal the game. That was his prediction before the season in the Super Bowl. It would be the sixth year in a row he has chosen the Super Bowl champion correctly preseason. No way. Like, that is nuts. Is that actually he, true? Yeah, no, he's had you, – you can – there's a th- uh, thing on Twitter. You can see his videos of – because, you know, he's been on Good Morning Football all that time. And that's the thing. Peter Schrager was like the first on Mahomes. Like he was saying it from the first training camp that like this guy is going to light the world on fire. Like you guys don't even know. Like he was so correct. Like he was the first national media guy that really like went out on a limb because I'm sure all the national people were hearing the chatter from Kansas City. But I doubt all of them wanted to be like, all right, like are we really going to you know believe, you know, the hype. Right. He was the first one I really from the national media scene. And. So he he's chosen the Chiefs in that time, the years they won, right? And he chose Tom Brady that year, right? And he chose the Eagles last year. Like, it is crazy. So shout out Peter Schrager. That dude knows ball. Let's just say that. Let's get to our Chiefs preview. Stop it. Stop it. You can't do this. You can't escape. You can't make these plays. You can't make these throws. Come on, give us a sneak preview. Chiefs preview. All right, as we kind of mentioned in the open, we'll save like the specific Super Bowl 58 game preview for the next week's episode, episode 76, just kind of looking around some of the storylines 
and things that will make an impact on that game this week. So let's start with, of course, the injury report and no injury bigger that happened in the AFC title game than the injury to Chiefs defensive lineman Charles Menahue. He suffered a torn ACL and uh, really just a tough blow for Kansas City's defense and a player that had been very impactful for them down the stretch. Um, remember, he missed the first six games of the season mark with the suspension, and then he just came out um, like a bat out of hell, had the 11 sacks in seven games or something like that, seven sacks in 11 games, um, and was extremely impactful. Let's hear from him really quickly. After the game, he had the strip sack on Lamar Jackson uh, that Casey took advantage of in that game. I wish I had been able to finish the game out, but I made a play to help the team. And, bro, like, it's just crazy, bro. We won the Super Bowl for real, bro. <laughs> What'd you see on that strip sack? What was that play? Your reaction? I see, to that? I seen balling quarterback. I'm not sacking this man without stripping the ball. Period. It play action, but I knew it was pass and converted, bro, and made a play. And I just told everybody, calm down. Like this is what I came here for, bro. Sucks he won't be able to play in the game. He's also a former 49er, understands the scheme, so I think he turns into assistant coach Charles Amenahue from here on out telling them what they need to look for, how to attack uh, San Francisco, and some things that he can make an impact on. But this is where I want to pin you down, Mark Gunnels. Pause there. Hold up. Wait a minute. You're a wild boy, man. Let me rephrase that. This is where I want to understand where your thought process is because you've been on X ever since this injury started. (laughs) You've been on X ever since this injury diagnosis came out. Waving the flag for Frank Clark. Frank Clark needs to come back to the kingdom. I don't understand why we don't give Frank Clark another opportunity. This is the perfect situation for the shark to come back. There's blood in the water. Why don't we just kick the tires on Frank Clark? And this is what I want to say before passing the mic over to you. You invested a first-round pick in Felix Eudike Uzama. Use him. Sky Moore didn't pay dividends last year until the last game of the season. Why can't why can't Felix, why can't FAU be this year's Sky Moore? Why would you bring in a guy off street clothes that's played for two other teams this year and both of them said, nah, actually we're all right. Why would you bring him in for one game when you have a rookie who you were invested in longer than just this game that you could build confidence for in the future? I don't want to hear anything about the Frank Clark talk. It's all built off what's happened in the past, and it's all built off of these warm and fuzzies that we get. When he won the Super Bowl last year, Chiefs fans should just have had that in their mind as his last game. Don't even think about the Broncos' tenure or what happened in Seattle. This is Felix's time to shine, and it's going to be in a limited capacity, but I don't want to hear anything about Frank Clark. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you about Frank Clark. <clears throat> so when I say that, I'm not saying to come in and have 50% of the snaps, Aaron. I'm saying, why not for just depth? Like, what if somebody else goes down in the middle of the game? You're already thin now with Charles Amenahu being out. And just even just you talking about him being an a assistant coach, Charles Amenahu, right? Why can't Frank Clark bring some of that, you know, the, the veteran leadership on the sideline? We saw last year he was coaching up George Karloftis and the young guys, you know, it's more than just him actually being on the field. Like, yeah, I would like to have maybe take a couple spot snaps here or there, but I'm not asking him to come in and just be this mainstay guy on the edge and you're out there for majority of the game. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. 
Now, do I know if he's in game shape or not? I have no clue. I have no idea what he's been doing the last couple of months. I do not. Know. I don't think so. I, I I doubt it. I don't know. I don't know. So I mean, even when he was in game shape, it, it was there. There has nothing. There's been nothing to write home about from Frank Clark in the 2023-2024 season. And, and while I'll yield you, there hasn't been much to write home about for FAU either. He's a guy that you are invested in his success longer than just you. Like you gotta, you gotta build him up. Like if you're asking for less than 50% of the snap, that that we're talking about the same thing. Like I'm not expecting Felix to come in and play a big, big snap share, big snap count. When he comes in, they're going to tell him, beat your guy one-on-one. Don't worry about anything else that's happening. Beat your guy one-on-one and go attack the quarterback. Yeah. And I'm excited to see that. I truly am. I'm, I'm just, I just didn't think, I don't see the downside just for depth, man. It was just, just strictly depth. That's all. Nothing more, nothing less. You just had to stir the pot. <laughs> it wouldn't be me if I didn't, right? <laughs> it sounds like, stick it with our injury report. It sounds like Joe Tooney will miss Super Bowl 58 as well. He has the torn right. I was shocked by that. You were shocked by that? Why? Well, because there was this impression that there was a, a long shot he could have played Sunday against that's Baltimore. Called ga- that's called gamesmanship. So when you hear that, you're thinking, oh, if you get an extra two weeks, it's probably a good chance that he can give it a go. So I'm a little surprised that it's kind of already being ruled out this early. I think, you know, sometimes you got to, and I, we have said this on this platform before, but you got to let, you got to, anytime you get information from one of those, those reporters or those like uh, information guys, you have to think who benefits from this information being out there. So the bit, the the when the information is phrased like oh it's a it's a strain but he's considering surgery but not sure yet they're still evaluating like yeah the 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 Chiefs benefit from there still being some like an unclear ability if he's going to play or not like I think they know very well that he, he he's not going to be back this year and Willie Gay is probably a little bit more murkier like. I don't know what the if we've gotten an official diagnosis like we heard with Tooney torn peck with Willie Gay we just keep keep hearing stiff neck neck strain tightness in his neck what until we hear the actual injury I don't know if we we'll, we know if he's going to be able to go the extra the extra week helps but I don't, I'm still not sure I think with that one you can do a better and assuming he would probably be ready to go especially because this one seemed like it came out to the last minute. I mean, I was even texting you like an hour before the game. Like, is there any updates on Willie Gay? I've heard. <laughs> Has Mike Edwards cleared concussion protocol yet? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like Mark. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. And I, I, mean, I don't know. I'm just, you're in the building. I thought you maybe have some inside information. You think Mike came up to me like, "Hey, just just so that you know, lad. Like, I'm uh, I maybe. It. I mean, you see the players walking through the tunnel. I don't know what what happens during that situation. Who knows?" <laughs> He's got like a he's got a sticky note on his head that says cleared concussion protocol. <laughs> hey man, I was just trying to go to the source, man. Uh looking ahead to Super Bowl 58, the Chiefs, they already have like they have like a way of doing business. They have a game plan. They have a they have a timeline. Because they've been in this game and they dealt they've dealt with the distraction and they've dealt with the travel and they've dealt with the circus around it. They know how to handle this. The Chiefs will not be practicing. This is Tuesday when we record this. They don't practice on Tuesday. They won't practice or they'll do a light walkthrough on Wednesday uh, before doing media at Arrowhead on Thursday and Friday. 
leaving for the Super Bowl on Sunday and then Super Bowl opening night and all of the things that happen in Vegas will begin on Monday. But it makes me feel or it, it should bring Chiefs Kingdom solace that like they have a coach who's been in these big games before. They have a quarterback that's been in these big games before. They know what the travel takes. They know the media demands like they have a method or a way of doing business around the Super Bowl that is comfortable for them. Do you worry about any players, you know, since the fact it's in Las Vegas as a distraction at all? Well, the NFL did a great job, and this is not by this is not by coincidence. The teams are staying 30 minutes off strip. Okay. <laughs> okay. They're staying okay. near Lake Las Vegas, which is not even not even close. But yeah, I have no worries about that with the Chiefs. I think they're self-policed. I think that they understand what's at stake. I don't think that being close to the strip makes them think any more about making a, a dumb decision. I'm not worried about that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi there, welcome back to the Great British Chiefs show with Brad and Tom. Before the break, we were talking about greatness and this Chiefs offense led by Patrick Mahomes, the great Patrick Mahomes, the great Travis Kelsey, and the great Andy Reid. I want to talk now about something I brought up a few weeks ago in actually saying that this is probably, or absolutely now, the greatest Chiefs defense we've ever had. And I think... After beating the Ravens the way they did, I think that's pretty much nailed on now. Yeah, we had this discussion, and I mentioned the 2016, 2015, that sort of defense. Yeah. It was the best that I've seen um, as a Chiefs fan. I don't think they even compare these days to do what they did on Sunday against that team. Yes, obviously, we've talked about Lamar Jackson's flaws in the first half of the show, but the reason why he was flawed is because the defense was just so good. That was phenomenal, wasn't it? From... The defensive line all the way through to the safeties, they were excellent on Sunday and they have been excellent of late. Um, I want to shout out George Colaftis because oh, yeah. for his second year, the progression that he's made from year one to year two has been outstanding and he just seems to be getting better and better and better. And obviously there is an element that he's helped by the presence of Chris Jones. I don't think that can be understated. But he's still got to win one-on-one. He still mm. has to win one-on-one against his opposite number. And he's doing it consistently. And just to have that extra guy who's not just good, but at this point very, very good at pass rushing, is making all the world of a difference. And to complement that, these guys on the back end, 
whether it like everyone talks, we know about Legereus Need, we know about Trent McDuffie, but Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, Chamari Connor, Mike Edwards, these guys, Justin Reed, these other guys are just stepping up. And I know we give Brett Veach a lot, a lot of stick about the wide receiver problem. Okay. But we have to also give a tremendous amount of credit for what he's done with the defense, which effectively has happened because he traded away Tyreek Hill. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. The, the Tyreek Hill trade has enabled this defense to be rebuilt as in the way it has, especially the defensive backfield. And we just have to give credit to Brett Veach. We have to give credit to Steve Spagnola. We have to give credit to Dave Merritt. We have to give credit to Brendan Daly, all the guys, everyone involved in coaching this defense and building this defense. They deserve a tremendous amount of credit. And it's nice to see that they are getting it because yes, I know we opened the show with Patrick Mahomes. Obviously he's the quarterback. He's going to be the guy that everyone talks about first, but let's not kid. Let's not kid ourselves without this defense. This team are nowhere near this super. And they are the main reason why we are where we are. I would argue even potentially that they don't even make the playoffs. if It's not for this defense, Mm -hmm. but game after game, this defense have come through. They come through against the Bills when they needed to. And against the Ravens, when the offense couldn't do diddly squat in the second half, this defense just held and held and held. Two turnovers in the red zone. Nigeria Sneed with the greatest play in Chiefs history defensively. I was going to ask you about that. Do you it think he's the greatest player? It has to be, doesn't playing. it? Like, it's annoying me how little attention this play is getting nationally. Yeah. and internationally like yes safe flowers fumbled it goes down as a safe flowers fumble but the play from sneed is just outrageous it's so so good it's like up there with the tackle in the ram super bowl against dyson i can't remember the player was when he comes reaching out but he ends oh. up and gets held back it's up there with that. yeah yeah it's like it needs a nickname this play mm. It really needs a nickname. I can't think of anything that rhymes with Sneed to do with punching. I don't know, but um, you're you're the nickname. You're the nickname man amongst us, so you can come up with one. I'll, but... I'll have a think. See what we can find. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing, but like you're right. Nothing springs. Give yourself another Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. No, nothing springs to mind straight away because do you know what? I think people are still stunned that it actually happened. I think people are still even. Even when I see that play back now, I always think Zay Flowers is going to make it. Yeah, yeah cool. I always think he's going to make it. It reminded me of the, the, the USAC touchdown against the 49ers. In the yeah. Superbowl, when he went diving into the end zone and Matthew just was like, nah, I'm not having any of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but Sneed yeah. was like, nah, I'm, I'm having this ball. It's just crazy. It was just insane. I mean, when we're talking about the greatness of the Chiefs defense, I'm, I'm not going to knock the greats that we've had in the past. I mean, you know, the likes of you know, Willie Lanier and Emmett Thomas and Buck Buchanan, Curly Colt, Bobby Bell, you know, all those kind of greats back in the day. I mean, I've never had the, you know, the opportunity to see those guys play, but they're, they're obviously Hall of Famers for a reason. You know, they're, they're, they're ex- ex- exceptional defenses. And to, but to see how this unit of Chiefs players on the defensive side of the ball have come together. And the fact that they all rallied around Spags as well by wearing those in Spags We Trust t-shirts. Which are way too much money, by the way. Yeah, they're way too much money. But (laughs) the fact that they rallied around and they, I mean, they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to do that. But they wanted to show the appreciation to Spags that this is 
This is what he's built. This is what mm. this defense believes in him, and they believe in the process. They believe in their abilities. He's given them the belief to be Super Bowl winners. You know, at least, well, hopefully Super Bowl champions at the end of this. But that's what we're talking about about greatness. This is, you know, great people end up being like great leaders. Mm. Spags, Andy Reid, great leaders. And we're so lucky to have them in the same team. <laughs> Do you think it's criminal that he's not look again looking for any head coaching jobs? <laughs> I know I know he's had a couple before and they weren't overly successful. He was obviously with the Rams and the Giants. Yeah. That that was a few years ago now. He's talking about five or six years. And I know teams typically like to go for an offensive guy as their head coach. But if you're looking at this defense and you're looking at how much, like you're talking about the t-shirt thing, for example, you're looking at how much they love playing for this guy. Mm. Why isn't a team pulling the trigger on him as a head coach? Like, I'm glad they're not because I, I, want to I, want to keep I want to keep this band together for as long as possible, including signing Chris Jones and Legere Sneed this year, finding a way to get them done. Yeah. But it does surprise me that Spags isn't getting a look in or even being talked about, rumoured for a head coaching gig this year. I don't know. I, I suppose it comes back to the, the defence as being criminally underrated across the board mm. this entire season, including by me last week, by the way, because I did say the Ravens were going to score 34 points, and that was a fucking <laughs> stupid take by me. <laughs> and I hold my hands up. That was an awful, awful take, and I apologise. Um, but it does surprise me that there's no looking for him. Yeah, well, maybe they have been, but maybe he's been turning them down. Maybe, I, I, I don't know, because you never, you haven't heard any rumblings, have you? I mean, you normally hear the rumblings around about playoff time when obviously the, the season's over with. And you normally hear some rumblings that, you know, some, some teams are talking to whoever, you know, blah, blah, blah. But never really seems to be Spags. And right. it might just be that he might just quash it right there and then go, do you know what? I'm happy where I am. I'm happy winning Perhaps. Super Bowls. I'm happy with this team. I, I've, you know, and he's got such a young team, a young defense. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the youngest in the league, isn't it? Um, he's got the youngest defense there, and he's sent him to a Super Bowl. And clearly, he's enjoying himself. I mean, when you see him in interviews and things like that, even after the game, he just see he, he seemed like a proud dad. That's something that you don't often see from any coach, really. I mean, you, you know, you see obviously from Andy Reid, he, he does seem like a father figure to a lot of these players, but. To a defensive coordinator, I mean, to have that that interaction and that and that you know that belief and that proud nature coming across like a father would, that's what you see in Spags. It's so weird. It's so it, it is very strange to see just how a family element is going on in this team, um, and the fact that even the offensive side have been rallying around each other. I mean, again. Going back over to the, the the offensive side of the ball here, the way they've rallied around MVS and the way that MVS has suddenly become playoff MVS to <laughs> to, to, to ice the game the way he did. I, I mean, mean, how many times have we seen that pass this season and he's mm. he spilled it, he's dropped it, and everyone's just completely got on his back? I mean, I don't want all of our regular season takes to be wrong, so I might double down on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still don't think he's worth keeping around. Uh, <laughs> I would like a guy a bit more consistent during the regular season and probably offer a little bit more than the playoffs than just one catch. Okay, albeit a very important catch. But yeah, no, I'll I'll double down on that one, shall we say? <laughs> double down on that one, will you? <laughs> yeah. 
I know we're talking about like we're, we're eking into the offensive side chat and things like that, but it, it it's it's like I said, I wanted to bring it up about this whole greatness of this team and how how we feel about it. I mean, even psychologically psychologically for us us fans, you know, this is one of those moments where you really did feel proud of the team. You felt that they've managed to really go on the road, completely blow out the water, all of the doubters. Completely. I mean, I've never seen such a swing in opinion from the talking heads on TV that have suddenly gone, fair play. Fair play to Mahomes. Fair play to Andy Reid. Fair play to Travis Kelsey. They shouldn't be here, but they are because of their greatness. That's what this team does. That's what this team does, isn't it? This this show's been really soppy. It has been soppy, hasn't it? I don't know. You obviously didn't tell me the plan for the show before, and you've kind of just led with it, and I've just kind of been there to (laughs) to go. But I I don't know. It's been really, really soppy. This hasn't been like it's been great, and I've loved hearing you talk like this, Brad. And but I don't know. I feel like you should be crying whilst you're saying this. Mate, I I am really emotional about this this whole franchise right now. I really am. (laughs) I am. I am. I, I just can't. You're, can't like, you're talking about Spags being a proud dad. You, you just like, <laughs> honestly, you're just chewing my ear off. Like, come on, son. Like, be happy for Christ's sake. Celebrate. Have yourself a beer. Ah, oh, um, to me, I feel like we've already won the Super Bowl. I really do. We haven't. We I ain't feel done like yet. We have, I feel like we have. By the way, did you see Mahomes' dad bod? Like I'm so, I am so happy that man has a dad bod. He makes me feel so much better. Yeah. <laughs> So much better. See, see, love, see. You look, yeah. he's a prime specimen. He, this, see, this man right here. He's the greatest athlete in the world right now. Yeah, and look at him. Look at this. Look. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you get to go to bed with someone like that every <laughs> night. <laughs> Do you know the amount of he does? Honestly, I thought he'd have been ripped. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not, not body shaming. It. This is a far from a body shame. No, definitely like, not. I am like celebrating Pat Mahomes' <laughs> body right now. It's yeah. phenomenal. They didn't really have to do a lot because they physically whooped their arses. They controlled that game. I would say that's the best way to describe it is like it was just a it was meticulous the way that they went about it, where they I think they knew exactly what they needed to do. And what they needed to do was get up big early. And if they did that, they had a pretty good idea that Spags is going to be able to dial up his blitzes because that puts the Ravens in a very uncomfortable position of being down by multiple scores. Something that has not happened for Baltimore in two seasons, man. Think about that. When you just, you don't have something take place. You don't have the necessary skills to adjust to that situation, right? Like, Ron, if I put you in charge of a ship and you're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, you're going to have no idea what's to do, how to get back to shore because you you're not a captain. Like that's not your job. This is not what you do on a day-to-day basis. And that's what it was like on Sunday for the Baltimore Ravens. They had no idea how to navigate the situation in which they found themselves because it had literally never once happened with this specific team and it's been the Achilles heel for Lamar his entire tenure in Baltimore. Listen, I like Lamar. I think Lamar gets a lot of unjust criticism in general. But one thing that he's got to figure out is when he his team gets down in the playoffs, he seems to have no ability to adjust. He does not know how to come from behind. And some of that's on him. Some of it's the offense. Some of it's his weapons. But 
Lamar Jackson, when he's playing from behind, makes mistakes. He takes sacks on third and one when he's at like the 40-yard line of the Chiefs and it puts them in like an obvious punting situation. That was abysmal. There are situations where he gets a super aggressive late, throwing into triple coverage, trying to make a play when it doesn't need to be made, and then boom, suddenly there's an interception. Like Lamar just had a really rough game on Sunday, and I've seen a lot of people saying, oh, that's because the bad game plan. No, that's because the Chiefs put them into a terrible situation by having an awesome game plan offensive or, uh, offensively early, and then Spags just putting him into a blender. He had no idea when or where the blitz was coming from, and he was he was waiting for it even when it wasn't coming. Serta, the thing that, that, that gets me, and even almost to the point of what BK is talking about, is and I've and I've and and you got to really look at it. It's really been prevalent the last two weeks. Like I kind of thought that the you know the mystique and the fear of Mahomes was kind of over. Like offensively, the fear of Mahomes because it used to be in the Chiefs' offensive heyday, just get to double double, just to get to a, a two score lead. You get to a two two score lead, they'll never stop you enough to catch you, and then. They start feeling pressure, and then they start going for it. And they start doing silly things. And they abandon the run. What like like that's what teams used to do. And I thought that was kind of over the fear of running from you. They've had these teams the last two weeks, and that was to me that that jumped off just flat panic at the six forty eight mark on your own thirty with the number one defense in the league. You're going for it in the first quarter down seven to nothing. <laughs> the way that they, that the Chiefs drove down and they played stupid, panicked, and you know over their their skis over their head and didn't like it's just ridiculous. I mean, you had six six carries to running backs in the game. They yeah. just panicked. They, they panicked. They and, threw that twenty six dropbacks in the second half in a in a ten point game. They so just, I will say, though, some of that, though, I, I, I've i seen a lot of people cite it, and it's crazy, right? Like, the, the, the fact that they had six carries by their running backs is absolutely nuts. And some However, of is, a lot of it is the Chiefs doing. It, 100% is. Like, the Chiefs had eight men in the box almost all day long. And so anytime there was an RPO that was called, the correct decision there is for Lamar to not hand it off. Like, they made it really difficult for the Ravens to ever attempt to run the ball because the numbers were never in their favor with what the Chiefs were showing pre-snap. Now, they would come out of that a decent amount, and then suddenly after the snap, there'd be like six men in the box, and suddenly it's like, oh, man, that would have been a perfect spot for the Ravens to be able to run in, but Spags changed it up so much that it was difficult to make that adjustment ahead of time. The other thing that it was was, Ron, the Chiefs just trust their corners. Like, they trust their corners to match up one-on-one -on -one against these receivers. So, yeah, I can use everybody else. My D-line, my linebackers, my safeties. Everybody else is committed to stopping the run and to stop Lamar Jackson from running against me. And that makes things really difficult if you're the Ravens. It's hard to have a good game plan against that defense. Yeah, and there is something to the idea that you know, the Ravens game plan all week long was we got to put up points. Like we got to go out there and score and hang with Mahomes, And then the but Chiefs why? score on why? their first that, two drives. Cause I do that, think that's that, like the mentality. Like we, it, it takes teams uh, a long time to like get over things in the NFL. Like we see that year after year and like Mahomes, like 
it's taken him years to kind of adjust his play totally to the point where we're seeing him right now, where he is fine taking whatever they're giving him instead of trying to create plays and force things, which is what it, it literally took him like two years to finally get to this point where he is totally confident in that and, and saying, okay, tr trust what you see, like take what's there. Don't, don't try to push the ball. Don't, don't try to overextend yourself and don't hurt the team. Like, it took him a long time to get there. And I think teams just know what he is capable of. So despite what the chiefs have put on tape this year and what they have done offensively, like teams still approach him with that mentality because also like, I think there is something to them taking a more conservative approach offensively, where it's like, if the rate, if the Ravens were going back and forth, touchdown for touchdown with them, I think we would have seen a little bit more of Mahomes like being aggressive and trying to make plays downfield and really trying to, you know, get more points on the board if that was what was necessary. But this is the new version of the Chiefs. Get to 17 points, get to 20 plus points, and you're feeling good because you know the defense is going to shut them down and, and let them up, and they can play like that and win like that on, on the biggest stages. It's unbelievable. I, I think the story of the game for me early was the Chiefs punked them and punched them in the mouth, and they had no answers except for luck plays. And then – they just panicked at the six-minute mark early. And and you can feel that all the way through. Like, hold on, Coach, we're going for this. this We're going for this fourth and one on our 30th. Like, we're going to hold them down. We're going to figure this out. No, they they wasn't in it. I, I, you know what? And I've been thinking about this all week. And I, and, and I knew we were going to do this podcast. And I wanted to run this by you, too. And, and I will say right off the top, but I want to get y'all's thoughts first. Uh, my my thought and mindset has changed since I thought of this right after the game. Yeah, is is Mahomes getting too much credit for this run? This run that the the Chiefs have had, like especially in the playoffs, and it. I mean, he's been he's been big time, right? No turnovers. He's barely taken sacks, right? And and they're winning the game. They go through the Dolphins. They go through the Bills. And they go through the Ravens, obviously, but they get shut out in the second half. And before that pass to MVS, my man's working in the low 30s in terms of passing yards in the second half, right? And now they're they're not in a huge numbers. Like, what's the most he's thrown for? And he's in it. What the hell? The cold game in it? I think is the most. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe yeah, that did he get 262 and 241. So nothing, not, uh, nothing crazy. I mean, his average was 263, so he didn't even hit that this year uh, and and listen the defense right you see that man they they held this this team this team to, to seven points for most of the entire game and then end up giving up 10 and the defense three turnovers and all that is he get is he getting too much credit because every time I turn on anything the first thing and the most conversation I hear about is his greatness is he getting too much for this run no um he's in some ways not getting enough credit probably because I think this is the best version of Patrick Mahomes that we've seen. It's the most complete version of Patrick Mahomes that we've seen. Ron, he is doing everything that is necessary to win games and not a whole lot more. So it's not the most fun version of Patrick Mahomes that we've seen. That guy was in 2018. That guy was throwing it all over the place. It was deep shots all day long. Like the other thing is like football has just changed. Since then, we saw a lot of single high safeties in 2018. The league adjusted, a lot of which was because of Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Now we're seeing a lot of two high safeties. And so Mahomes was the best quarterback to have when you saw single high safeties back in 2018. 
And as the league adjusted to more two high safeties, Patrick Mahomes is now the best quarterback to have against two high safeties as well, because he's now better than anybody else at the stuff that he wasn't supposed to be able to do. He's the best quarterback in the league right now at pre-snap stuff, like getting the line to be set in the right way, adjusting all of his offensive line decisions. Like the, that stuff is all on Mahomes, and he's doing it incredibly well. He is the best guy in the world right now at like the quick game and intermediate routes. Like he has, you mentioned it, Ron, taken care of the ball in a way no quarterback in NFL history has in the postseason. Patrick Mahomes is the first starting quarterback to throw zero interceptions in any six-game postseason stretch in in their career. He has done it in his last six postseason games. His new superpower is he just doesn't make mistakes, dude. Like, Mahomes has taken five sacks in his last six playoff games. He is hitting the, when he needs to make a big play as he did with that Travis Kelsey, big third down catch, right? He rolls around, rolls around, rolls around, finds Kelsey, boom, massive play. It's going for like seven yards, but is a huge play in that spot that only he and like two other guys in the world could make. That MVS deep shot on the final play to seal it, that's a play against cover zero that I'm not sure any other quarterback in the league even tries and he puts it in there in the exact right spot at the exact right velocity with a like lollipop over the defense. I, I think Patrick Mahomes has been unbelievable, dude. He has been so freaking good. It's just different. It's different than the guy that we saw in 2018. I think you can make a case, though, that it's actually better. And he's doing everything that needs to get done in order to win these games. Yeah, I, I'm not going to discount anything that he's done this postseason. Um, you know, I, I think the defense is the reason you can go win a Super Bowl. Like, oh, I want to make that clear. And I, I've talked about that for weeks now. But everything that he's done in the playoffs to just get at what BK was pointing out is like, he's just been perfect. And this is what we talked about all season long with this team. It's like Mahomes has to be perfect because they're not good enough on offense to overcome it when he's not perfect. So it took him a whole regular season to figure it out, but he got he got it down and now he's nailed it in three straight playoff games where he's doing everything that he has to to make sure that he doesn't put the Chiefs in a bad spot on offense and to make sure that they're set up to win football games. And it's been amazing to watch like and that's it. That's just another evolution of him where we talk about he's got all the physical gifts. And yes, we love seeing him launch it deep down the field. But now what he's doing where he's just reading the coverages and then still making the fantastic, amazing plays that he does when he can, like everything that he is doing right now is just on another level that we haven't totally seen from other quarterbacks like Brady Manning, like Rogers, like we talk about those guys and he's playing like all three of them, like mixed into one person right now. It's unbelievable that we're living through this and that, and that we're seeing it unfold in front of us because he's been exceptional in the playoffs. Yeah. When, when, when the game ended and everything that, that you're hearing, like for me, I, I like, yes, I understand his greatness, but it, it is hard for me to think the reason why this chiefs team is here and why they're winning is because of the defense. That was the thing that rolls in my mind. But as the week has gone on, I still think the largest advantage that the Chiefs have had in this in this playoff run, these three games to get to the Super Bowl, has been the coaching. 
like I think they have they have dominated like Mike McDaniel and, and Vic Vangio and they have dominated um you know the Bills coaching staff and I mean just ran circles around two really good coaches and John Harbaugh and Mike McDonald who then got hired the next week uh, with Seattle they just dominated them spags the in everybody Andy everybody but yeah, Mahomes needs to get a lot, uh, at least from me, a lot more credit from me and, and things that I've looked at this year. We we kept saying, I kept saying, man, if they could just minimize some of these mistakes, just some of them. And the person you know I would come on here and talk about was like, we well, you talk about Kadarius, Tony, and MVS, and Scott Moore, but like, you know they're going to kind of make some. What is killing us also is, like he keeps he keeps throwing ridiculous interceptions and making bad decisions. And to the point you guys have just said, he has said, okay, I'll just stop. He has picked up. He has picked because if you if if he makes a mistake in any of these games, the last two games, now he probably, he could have thrown three picks against the Dolphins. But but if he makes a mistake in any of these last two games, they're gonna lose. They're going to lose any and like even any small small mistakes. They're going to lose. Um, and he didn't, and he didn't even attempt to. And it's crazy because now at 28 years old, he is developing the Brady portion of the game. Of all right, I'll just do what we got to do to win. I'll do what we got to do to 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 hold on and not make mistakes because I'm sitting here and I know the only way that the Ravens are going to be able to score twice is if I help them, is if I help them or we help them. And he wasn't even taking chances until, like you said, at the end he had to with MVS. And, like, you just look at this and you're like – because you can you can plainly see it. All right, the Buffalo game, okay, got to score. So we'll just score in our first five possessions because Buffalo's coming. We got to score in this one. We got to go till they didn't have to. Then it was, let's be smart. I remember the play. I know he wanted to throw it when he was scrambling at midfield against Buffalo on third down, and he got away, and I know he wanted to throw it. But he took a sack, one of his five sacks. He took it and punted, good field position to help win that game. So I, you know, that's the scary thing about him is we clearly know at 28 he has not, like, lost it. He still has that big driver in his bag. But now, like Tiger, he'll just use the three wood and 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 just when he needs to. But we know if he has to in this game, like he did against Buffalo, okay, Buffalo's scoring. We got to score every time until we don't, until our defense comes around and bit it starts being themselves, then he does. It's 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 getting ridiculous what he's doing.